everyone. If you've been enjoying our episodes, please consider supporting us. For as little as 99 cents a month, you will be helping us create more of the content you love to listen to. And I know y'all love to listen to it because we can see it. Uh-huh. Click the link in every episode description to send your contribution. We are truly grateful. Thank you. You're listening to Slay Your Weekend with Aquila. Conversations that stay with you and nothing is off the table. And we mean nothing. I promise that I will not take up too much of your time because I know you are busy, okay? You are on IGTV, you are on lives, you are doing interviews. Like, I'm grateful that you got the time for me, okay? Um, so let's start off. How do you officially pronounce your name? I don't want to butcher it because my name is um, Arab African too, and I don't play that when people mess up my name. So give me the direct pronunciation of your name, please. Habib Akande. Habib Akande. I like that. And what does your name mean? So my first name, Habib, it means beloved or darling. It's mm-hmm. an Arabic name. And Akande means, I can't remember. It's a Yoruba name. I, I can't actually remember what it means. I should know. It's okay. But yeah, That's yeah. fine. Are these your only names? Because I know sometimes in, the, in some African cultures, there are longer versions of the name or there's family names that are added or because if you were, if you were born on a certain day of the week, you may get a certain name. So do you have any of that going on that you don't put yeah. out there? <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's usually with Ghanaians. So for Ghanaians, um, if they're born on a certain day of the week, mm-hmm. yeah, they're given a, a specific name. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria, but born and bred in the UK. But yeah. I do have six names in total. So like I've got so many middle names. Okay. And there was no offense with um, trying to give you the Ghanaian way because I know there's Joloff wars that are going on <laughs> and I in no way, shape or form want to offend anyone out there who may be listening. I'm on neither side. Okay. The food is good. That's all I know. I love um, Shito. I don't know if you know that, that, that black pepper sauce that go on the African food. You ever heard of it? She no, I'm not familiar. Never? Okay. Oh, I love Joloff. Come on. You know, that's a staple. <laughs> come on. I'm sure you're going to say yours is better than theirs. And No, it's not. I, I, would, I would lie. If I, I would be lying if I said that. Um, although I love Nigerian jello fries, um, I would say Sierra Leoneans jello fries is probably the best. Mm. Um, I like Ghanaians rice. Yeah. But I love jello fries is my favorite foods. Hey there. That's a first. You, you are an honest man. I'm going to enjoy this interview. You are an honest man. And I love that because I have never heard an African <laughs> admit that. Never. Where are they from? They Joloff is the best. Okay. So no, it's not the best. <laughs> this is, this is going to be interesting. So again, I do thank you. My name is Akila Peinado. Um, I am the host of Slayer Weekend with Akila, where I'm a, I, co- I consider myself a conversationalist. Um, I'm an avid reader. Um, all things history. I honestly feel as if I should have, I should have majored in history versus English, but I did end up graduating with a bachelor's degree in English and a minor degree in public administration. And if if my husband or if my friends or those who know me 
um, were to describe me, she reads a lot. <laughs> I read a lot. Like I'm, I'm always chasing after knowledge, not for, not even to just say I know something, but should I enter into a conversation with someone, I want to be able to, um, you know, have it fully. I am a coach. I'm a, I'm a certified life coach as well. And in my sessions, I say to my clients, there's something called being interesting versus being interested. And when you're having a conversation, there needs to be two aspects of that going on. So if I'm interesting, you're listening to me. Oh, what is she talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And if you're, and when I'm interested, I'm listening. And I think that's a missing component um, in, in communication. So I have put myself in this arena yet again. Um, to kind of bridge those gaps. Another reason why this podcast was started in this manner, because this is like my second attempt at doing this, but I'm doing much better this time. I am. Um, I come from a heavily religious, oh, heavily religious background. I was brought up and I'm still in the world of the fundamental traditional Christian. I grew up, I did not wear pants until the age of 19. Um, I did not wear jewelry. We were not allowed to go to the movies, you know, very, men is men women are women you know very much like that very um people will look on the outside and think that we were called although we weren't we were all, you know we're all a part of this world by our choice uh, we're all binded either by culture or, or by our beliefs because i'm jamaican so the church i go to is jamaican you know um but there were a lot of things that i didn't learn about the world um because of my very sheltered life and if i did want to learn those things it would almost be as if i'm going behind the backs of those and behind the teaching of of those who have reared me and raised me um and i respect that believe it or not that world has shaped me into who i am today but there has been some uh loopholes you know some holes there that could have been filled a little bit differently so i'm trying to bridge that gap now with these types of conversations um i've had beverly jenkins on here i've had nana the koro sekiyama on here um she wrote the um sex lives of african women i've had her on here i've had candace um ben bow on here red lip theology like i'm talking to you guys because i really I really want people to know there is a safe space to have these conversations without judgment. And believe it or not, a lot of the social constructs that we have humanly, um, but even on things that may be considered like sex, although sex is a very human, it is a very animal, it is a very life thing, it should be spoken about and it's not. It's still spoken about in very hush-hush ways. And I wanna kind of change that. So that is why I started this platform, but I talk about everything. Like if you follow me on Instagram, I did a reels on 90 day fiance yesterday it was lit like i watch raising canaan like i'm a i'm a shondaland person i love courtney kemp like i'm well-rounded in those areas but you guys who write books who take the time to write these books to start these thought-provoking conversations i want to talk to you guys you know what i mean so that is why we're here so that's my roundabout way of telling you who i am and what i do i hope i'm not boring you yet um and thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for coming on so let me take out my fan Thank you for inviting me. That was a wonderful, very beautiful introduction. Thank I love you. Your, I love your passion. Thank you. I want to take out my fan because let me tell you something. This book, this one, <laughs> this book is spicy. And it's funny. It's funny because it is so, it is so academically written, you know, like it's not sleaze or anything like that. It's like, oh, shoot, I could wait. So if he taps here, and wait, hold on. There's an art. There's a there's a method to this. This is a science book. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what this is. And I said, no, I'm telling you, I think I probably got through the first chapter and was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to him. Like, oh, thank you. He could say no. <laughs> he could say no, it's fine. But I'm going to reach out because once I saw historian in your bio on Instagram, I said, oh, I'm definitely reaching out now because I want to know ultimately the topic of this podcast or the idea I had when I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to discuss the religious historical component of pleasure concerning the black woman um i'm very intrigued by why pleasure and being black are not synonymous if anything it's more sleazy mm. um, where the black woman is concerned um it's more nasty where that's concerned and i don't know if that's just a western thing i'm hoping that you can enlighten me a little bit more on that um, cause I see, and some of the research that I did on you, you do know a little bit about, not a little, I don't mean little in a bad way, but I know, I know you have knowledge on the Christian background, on the Islamic background on those things. So I want to talk about that. Lovely, lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, great question. Um, I'm not sure where I can start, but, <laughs> um, forgive me if I ramble on a bit, cause there is a lot to unpack. And I love mm -hmm. that question. To First and foremost, when we speak about pleasure and black women, Mm -hmm. in terms of it not being in sync or maybe people thinking that it doesn't go together I will definitely say that's a, a western construct okay and that is something that I'm trying to fight against um the same way the idea or the notion that black women and desirability or black women and femininity don't go in are not in sync mm -hmm. again that's something that's a western construct that I'm trying to fight against mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why um in particular why I wrote Kunyaza because I wanted to center celebrate and venerate the black woman and the black woman's narrative. Mm -hmm. And because this is a cultural practice that originates from an African country, and it's primarily, it was founded by a, a, a black African woman, mm -hmm. and it's primarily taught by black women. I wanted to obviously a center, like I said, their voices and celebrate and also to show not only other black people, but also like Westerners or non-black people that yes, you can be a black woman and you can be desirable and you can be pleasurable and you can be loving and all of the rest of the things that when people think about sex and sensuality or black women I think many of us in the west we have a Victorian Christian understanding mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm specific by saying Victorian Christian not just Christian because how for example I'm I'm originally from Nigeria as I mentioned in the beginning mm -hmm. um, in West Africa um, although I'm a Muslim and most of my family are Muslim half of my family my mom's side are Christian um, but even how sensuality and sex and intimacy is understood in parts of Africa it's not the same how it's understood in parts of maybe Europe or America because we've adopted a you could say a Victorian or Christian or European understanding about sex mm -hmm. you know so that's why I think it's important even for those of us who are in the west when we're even speaking about like the history of sex or intimacy and these type of things whose narrative or whose story are we listening to mm -hmm. And that's something that I think that we don't realize that we have got our own stories. We have got our own. Um, and I always ask people this, like when I ask people, okay, we know about the contributions of ancient Indians towards sex and sensuality with like the Kama Sutra. Mm -hmm. We know about the ancient Chinese with the Ovid tradition. We even know about Latin America, America mm -hmm. with South and things like that. We will know about Europe when we speak about Freud and all of these theories, right? But then when I ask, okay, what about the contributions that Africans have made? Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't think of any or they'll think or they'll say crickets exactly yeah. or they'll say fgm female genital mutilation and as if there isn't anything else mm -hmm. that is pleasure positive 
that is empowering women that is something that's great that has come out of the continent and for me even for us as black people wherever, wherever we reside around the world it's somewhat of a disservice if we think that in these over 50 countries god knows how many ethnicities mm-hmm. we haven't contributed anything positively towards human sexuality and one of the reasons is because many of us are not aware of the contributions that africans have made mm-hmm. that and is true not to cut you off yeah, i don't want to cut you off at all but you are absolutely right you you said something that triggered me because you mentioned victorian age specifically yeah. um i don't know how far back your your research goes where this is concerned but what was the sexual idea concerning people of our hue or religious people before that overall governing idea governed this this yeah. sexual erotica pleasure yeah. The, the um, reason why the reason why I said so even if we look back let's look back in history let's go way back okay when we talk about the history of sex and sexuality in um, ancient Greece it was known as arts or eros erotica mm-hmm. meaning like the um, the art of love mm-hmm. like from Plato's time and things like that you've obviously got the Kama Sutra tradition which that's obviously like their own version mm-hmm. of studying and understanding love and sensuality and it's not about sex positions because even when people think about the Kama Sutra what comes to most people's minds is the sex positions mm-hmm. when in reality less than 25 percent of the book actually deals with sex positions mm-hmm. most people haven't read the book but when it was translated by a british um explorer in the 19th century by a man called richard burton and then he translated it into english then obviously he made it available in the uk in the united states mm-hmm. because at that period during the victorian age where again they were very prudish and very uncomfortable with anything to do with sex and sexuality what they found so fascinating was the sex positions and that's what they kind of concentrated on. So mm. now that's why now today, when we think about the Kama Sutra, everyone focuses on the sex positions, not realizing that the book is about love, it's about pleasure. It's a book that is actually a religious book as well because it's written from a Hindu perspective. Okay. And again, that's something that people forget as well. That's so even right. when we're speaking about religion, mm-hmm. and this is also why I wanted to speak to you as well is because oftentimes, unfortunately nowadays, people seem to dismiss religion or Mm -hmm. feel as if religion doesn't bring any value and yes there are some um I wouldn't even say religions there are some religious communities or religious people who maybe stunt some people's sexuality but that that, that, that's not necessarily the fault of the religion itself Mm -hmm. I think that's why even people who adhere to religion even if you don't believe it or adhere to religion I think it's important that people are respectful in terms of when they speak about such topics not to blame religion so to speak okay because if we're going to blame religion then we also have to give religion a credit for saying it's because of religion that we've got things like the karma sutra because that came from a religious source that is true so even the karma sutra that was written over two thousand years ago even the author he said that this is a book that i basically i'm basically an editor not really an original author Mm -hmm. and he compiled his sources from works that were written a thousand years before him so effectively it's a book that it's speaking about the art of women's um, the art of pleasure and importance of understanding what you need, both male and female in the spouse and things like that. That was, he was collecting sources as far back as 3000 years ago. So again, when we're speaking about the history of religion in the ancient Indian tradition, they were speaking about just say 3000 years ago. Now in the Japanese tradition, they've got a, a tradition called the Shunga, which mm-hmm. from like the 16th century, you've got a number of like erotic um, paintings where they're speaking again about intimacy, and love and sex and pleasure and things like that. So they've got their own tradition. The Chinese have their own tradition with the Ovid tradition. The Arab 
Muslims have, have their own tradition with the tradition known as um, uh, or erotology, which is basically, um, and that kind of started in the ninth century when a number of the Arabs, um, when, when they were basically based in, in Iraq, in Baghdad, mm-hmm. when they came across a number of the works of the ancient Indians, the ancient Greeks, they then, because that was written from a Greek perspective, an Indian perspective, they wanted to write their own books, but maybe like from an Islamic perspective. Mm-hmm. So they started writing books from a, their own religious perspective, drawing upon the traditions of, of other people. The same way nowadays, you've got people who are like in the Western world or wherever we are, we will take that which we find is valuable or useful from other traditions and we, then we'll try and maybe make a modern re- rendition. Mm-hmm. So my point in saying this is that you've got different traditions and cultures. I've mentioned briefly from Japan, from China, from the Arab world, from India, from Greece, way mm-hmm. before the Western world and way before the sexual revolution of the 1960s and this mm-hmm. idea that white women discovered, you know, the clitoris right. or white yeah. men or women before Freud, because oftentimes, when people in the West are talking about sex education, it starts from Freud or Alfred, or Alfred Kinsey, as if because they were the first people to, to, to study sex in a quote unquote scientific way, and they came up with like sexology, people start think that the history of sex started with them. Mm. When there was other cultures who studied sex, but it was in a, um, but they studied it from a framework of not only looking at the act of sex, but also looking at sexual ethics mm-hmm. and sexual desire. So that's why their study was known as erotology. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between the two. So if you're looking at erotology, it's not only looking at the study of sex, but it's also the study of sexual desire and also sexual ethics. Now, when you speak about sexual ethics, you are going to come from a certain perspective where you are. And I know it's very, um, and nowadays, everything is like, you can't be judgmental, but if you're coming from a position of ethics, you're given, you're passing the judgment, whether it's from mm-hmm. your own philosophical beliefs, your religious values or what have you. And that's what the erotologists of their time were doing, where they were kind of like giving advice or prescribing, this is what you should and shouldn't do. This is what you should look for, what you shouldn't look for in a particular spouse. So again, my, my, my point is that, um, I think it's important that those of us, you know, like in English speaking countries in particular, living in the West, that we, we look outside of the white gaze, because oftentimes, even like I said, with the Kama Sutra, the reason why we're familiar with it is because it came through the hands of a white European man who made it accessible to us. Mm-hmm. But there are other traditions like the Kunyaza tradition that it didn't go through white hands, but it's still available, but many of us are not aware of it so to speak so with, so with the book it was with the, the book that I wrote it was really one where like I said I wanted to highlight the contributions that black African people particularly black women have made and also again like I said before it becomes it becomes something else but because a lot of their cultural traditions were are, are preserved orally not in the form of a book mm-hmm. um, I thought it'd be good to kind of maybe document some of what I found in their in their history in the form of a book and hopefully that it can also debunk some of the um the stigma surrounding like female yeah. ejaculation as well that you have particularly in the western world whereas in parts of east and central Africa it's, it's normalized and I think it's a problem that um there seems to be an obsession in the west where we want to regulate female sexuality mm-hmm. if we don't understand it it's you know it's invalid until we have a a scientist affirms that this is this is a, a, a true or real experience when you have a number of hundreds of women their own testimonies saying that this experience is very different to urine 
but that's not enough and that's mm-hmm. problematic as well so that's why again it I tried to write in a but I didn't want to make it too boring so mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that the academic I wanted to, so I wanted people to know that there's research behind it but at the same time make it quite accessible for people to read mm-hmm. um and then hopefully to inspire um others um to kind of then go on their own journey to kind of find out about different sexual traditions and speak to their own kind of um, communities i feel like this book and and when i i'm an act i'm academically driven so when i'm reading it i'm i'm reading for knowledge that's that it's rare i read for leisure like if i was telling my husband because he listened to my beverly jenkins interview he's like oh my god babe i learned so much from that interview she's a historical romance writer but because she added a historical component, a real life historical component. Um, She's an African-American historical romance writer. The things I've learned in her book, I took honors history in high school. Let me just give you a little background how into history I am. I took honors history in high school. I learned half of what I've learned in these romance books that she has written. If you've never read one, if you're even interested, pick up any one of them. That is how in depth she goes with adding what was going on during this time period with us in this country and giving it a backstory of love. So I'm not not because you didn't necessarily give us a, a complete love story in here. I'm so intrigued by the lack of knowledge, you know, that I maybe didn't have where a lot of this was concerned. I you never hear the word orgasm without it being sleaze. I don't even know if you can even say that on TV. You know, you do not hear black women in pleasure in synonymous sentences. They're not synonymous. They're not together. I'm not necessarily saying you hear from white, you hear white women in pleasure too, but you definitely don't hear black women in pleasure. You definitely do not have a black woman pleasure and Christianity component. Oh, I've never, I, not in my world. Like you've never heard that, like to say, or even like when you're getting married, you know, it's well, if you're gonna, the only time you're not supposed to tell your husband you don't want to have sex or vice versa is when you're on fasting. You know, if you're gonna go on fasting, you guys have to make sure that you do this and do that. Not no, you'll hear the words, have fun. What does that mean? What does that mean to have fun? What does that, what does it mean? What do I like sexually? Um, why are women not encouraged to find those things out before they go into committed relationships? Why is it such a taboo thing and I, I i can only speak for christianity i mean now you know following you and the, the historical things that you post talking about the islamic faith and how certain things in the quran are there and if a woman is not pleased by her husband da, 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 i said whoa, whoa 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 that's in the quran like how come that's not in the bible you know like well or was it in the bible and it was taken out you know what i'm saying like these are the things that i think about so for me, reading this like launched that that firecracker for me. Like, Doug, if he can get all of this from what he researched, what don't we know? Yeah. Is my question. Well, t- to be fair, obviously, I'm, I'm more well versed in in the Quran that, um, than the um, than the Bible. But mm-hmm. isn't there like with the songs of Solomon? There's like references to pleasure. Again, I'm not well versed in it, but the song, my, yeah, the book of songs. Yes, it the, is. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you this. Even when the this is gonna make you laugh, yeah. but even when the songs of Solomon is discussed, they say it's a metaphor for Jesus's love for the church and you know how much. I'm like, come, this was real. 
But, like this is real. I mean, I think I think I had Sons of Solomon read at my wedding, if I'm not mistaken. I did. And again, they they so radically religious Christianize it that it's like, okay, that does not exist. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of sexually frustrated people in our world too. There are because missionary, not this, you know, I don't this is a we're grown here. Mm-hmm. Missionary position is the position. And if you want to do anything else, what are you, you know, what, what are you doing? And I'm not saying that's across the board, but it's so hush, hush, you know, like, you know, don't talk about that. No, yeah. don't do that. Why? Yeah. I mean, I, I would argue and I, I would say that a lot of those views come from cultural understandings in terms of what is considered to be acceptable, because you mm-hmm. do have that with amongst Muslims as well. So even though, like you mentioned, and some of the posts I put out, the Quran is very explicit without obviously being vulgar in terms of speaking about sexuality and you know um, women's right to sexual pleasure and things like mm-hmm. that. Whereas a lot of Muslims nowadays are very uncomfortable with even those passages that they even will not talk about it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Muslims aren't even aware Got it. Of th- that it says that. Or what happens is that generally the people, shall we say, who are in power, often obviously men, mm-hmm. will only emphasize or talk about the stories or traditions which speak about the importance of women pleasuring their husbands rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the religion doesn't speak about, Mm -hmm. and I I can't remember, there's a, I think there's a passage in in the Bible, I think 1 Corinthians, but you speak about that the woman's body is for the man and the man's body for the woman. So Mm -hmm. that shows that, again, it goes both ways, mutual Mm -hmm. pleasure. Whereas if you've got, for example, a pastor or a priest who's just speaking about telling women, make sure you're making yourself sexually available for your husbands and just talking about that and not speaking about it the other way around that, no, your wife also has a right to sexual pleasure and the husbands also make sure you're, you're a, a romancer and this, that and the other. There's balance there. Mm-hmm. But because what a lot of people, what they're hearing, they're just hearing an imbalance where it's just women are the sexual objects of their husbands, which that's not necessarily what the text says. Mm-hmm. And likewise, you do have that in, like I said, in a lot of Muslim communities nowadays where a lot of people are shocked with some of the stuff that I'm putting out there because they're not aware of this, but it's not that it's either because they haven't obviously read the text themselves, or unfortunately the messaging that they're receiving is just one way traffic as in women, this is what you need to do to please your husband, not what men need to do to please their wives. Mm -hmm. So that's where, and that's where for me, like obviously education and knowledge is is important Mm -hmm. and it's a great equalizer because not only would it, hopefully empower the women so they can obviously and and I'm using the word intentionally demand their rights not ask Mm -hmm. and then also to inform men who've been misinformed Mm -hmm. you know so I think and that's why like I I think that um a lot of the religions have been um it's not I would say the religions fault so to speak a lot of times it's maybe the people who are like you could say in power that are not communicating the message fairly it's just mm-hmm. one way traffic so to speak mm-hmm. um now coming back to again you mentioned uh, what was about the black but black women and pleasure and mm-hmm. like think about orgasm again i think because we have adopted a uh, a victorian christian understanding about sex and sexuality in relationships even the even like words even in, in the english language when we sex is often equated to to dirty nasty all of these things, yeah. Well, why is that? Why is it? Why is it got a? Um, why, why do you call something that's nice? Why do you, Why do you call it like dirty talk? Why do you say that's nasty? I don't know. So it's in our language. Know. So it's in our subconscious, whether we, we whether yeah. we realize it or not. 
we're equating the act to be something that is not pleasurable. That's not something that's not fun. It's something that should be done in the dark, as in away from like even not we're even enjoying it ourselves, the two people. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's why again, it, they, I think there needs to be shift in terms of how we view how we view sex, how we view sensuality. And 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 I and I and intentionally obviously use the word pleasure in the subtitle of my book rather than talking about like just saying sex explicitly because a a lot of people are having sex but not a lot of people are enjoying the sex that they have oh you better and I you think, better preach that yeah. message that's the truth yeah and 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 i think both for men and women alike but mm-hmm. women more so i think we yes we're in a, living in a very hypersexualized society where everyone and and again everyone wants to have as much sex or they're under pressure to have as much sex with so many different sexual partners but a lot of people i don't think they're enjoying it both men and women alike you know? I agree. And it's a thing where, and this is where I think religion helps because as someone who indulged in that lifestyle, and yes, it, I'm not going to act like it wasn't fun, <laughs> but it conflicted with my soul. Mm. I'm not going to, it conflicted with my soul. It's not sleeping, yeah, it's nice to sleep with attractive women, but after a period of time, it, it affects your soul. Now, saying that to someone who doesn't believe in a higher power or like, you know religion or spirits and stuff like that it's very difficult to communicate that message mm-hmm. but someone who does they can kind of understand that and that's where for me my solace was when you do or when I was reading the Quran and these religious books they speak about these issues mm-hmm. and it's a very like it's a very you know it's a very um human experience or human trial that someone may go through but then you can always find grace and mercy with God. So it doesn't mean you don't go to one extreme that because one is indulged in certain things that they're damned for hell when they're like an evil person. But at the same time, because you've gone through certain things, then you can relate and understand. And again, without preaching, I can understand why people are obsessed with sex, but at the same time, there needs to be balance. Mm -hmm. And that's something that even people from a secular perspective, who don't believe in religion or, or God or anything like that, they are still searching for something, whether they want to call it the universe, the energy, they are still they searching are. for something. They are. Sorry. You, you brought up something about the many different sexual partners, because I was going to ask, do you feel as if the quest for pleasure is why people sleep around as much as they do? Maybe that's what they're looking for, some type of physical, emotional fulfillment, because they don't know what the true sexual gratification is, because I think that's even in the Beverly Jenkins book, and I keep, I, I hate to keep bringing her up because, but it's such, it's such, I want you to read one. Like there's such a correlation that the male characters in the book will say, well, I'm getting ready to bring you to pleasure. And the the female characters, because these are pious Christian women, you know, they, they're growing up in post-slavery America where, you know, church, you go to church on Sundays and it is what it is. And they're like, oh my God, it, was sex supposed to be like this? Like, th- is this what they were telling us not to do? He's talking about bringing me to pleasure, but everyone makes it seem like it's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that misconception is so rampant. And I'm like, okay, now on the flip side in the secular um, component that you're talking about is that what it is this is supposed to feel good there's some type of psychosomatic something going on like the more I do it the more I'm gonna feel good although that's not true like what do you think the allure is that's a deep question I think um a number of th- I, I do think there is like naturally that it, it is fun or it's pleasurable especially if you're getting off mm-hmm. if you're not then that's something else mm-hmm. um another reason could be a sense of validation of, of, or affirmation from your peer group so especially from for men even for women as well in, in certain situations where 
even as a man, like to turn down an attractive woman or not, or not even go after an attractive woman is seen as you're less of a man. Mm. So even from a re- relatively young age, you have, you're being socially conditioned that in order to fulfill your manhood, you need to sleep around. So even if you don't necessarily want to do that, but you've just been brought up that that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. And again, there is some pleasure that comes with that. And also maybe a case of you're seeking something. So you're thinking that the more you sleep around, the more enjoyable it would be. And again, I w- I'm not going to say that it's not enjoyable, but it comes to a point. And it comes to a point, especially when you mature emotionally, not I'm talking about age-wise, but emotionally, that it, it doesn't feel right because you're not connecting with these people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people... Um, both men and women alike do come to that own that realization um, but it's very difficult to admit in an in a culture where it's pushed that this is kind of like what you're supposed to be doing you know and, and I think one of the things that religion does teach which I don't think a lot of people um, appreciate or really give them their due their due regards is the importance of sexual discipline mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like the same way it's, it's important to have discipline with food, like whether mm-hmm. you're fasting, intermittent fasting and things like that. And now it's become popularized and people talk about the benefits of fasting. This is, it's important to have discipline with, with your genitals as well. It's true. It is not good. only with your genitals, but also even in terms of love, like not everyone you necessarily feel attached to, you should kind of give your heart to that person. And the I think Solomon talks about that right yeah if she's not if she's not if you're not gonna like bring her to blossom where love is concerned leave her alone like don't don't do it so it does talk about that you're absolutely you're absolutely right but in regards to let's say committed relationships Mm -hmm. if there is a lack of pleasure happening and this individual because it's it's funny because i was watching seeking sister wives i'm a tlc fanatic i don't know if you've ever heard of it but i was watching seeking sister wives and i said i understand polyamory more than i understand polygamy from a Western concept. I said, if you are in a committed relationship and you're like, I would feel more fulfilled if I had another man along in this process, I couldn't see me committing to caring and loving and you know all that stuff that go into a commitment. I couldn't see me taking that on again. Like, it's just a lot. And I'm like, I'm looking at these men picking up all of these women. I'm like, emotionally, you can manage that. Financially, you can manage that. Like. Physically, you can manage that. Like, it's a lot of work that goes into all of that. However, if someone is in a committed relationship and there is no sexual gratification, because I see the questions that come in on your page. I see them. And I'm like, why is he asking us to answer this? I want him to answer it because (laughs) I would love to hear what he has to say. Like, if you were, you don't have to give me any names or anything, but if you have any stories where that's concerned, how do you think that should be handled first? So before I answer that question, just wanted to, um check you was you referring to you said polyandry and polygamy yes because those are two different things do you mean polyandry yes i'm sorry yes that's what i mean yes polyandry. yeah so polyandry of a woman having multiple or men having multiple and then men and, then, and polygamy is men having multiple women so which yes. one was you because i thought polygamy is where there was the whole marriage component to it well, like we're the... yeah well technically polygamy polygamy refers to either a man or woman having multiple partners Period. polyandry is a woman having multiple partners or multiple husbands Poly- okay. polygyny is a man having is specifically a man having multiple partners so okay. which so which one was you 
Which so one I, said, did you say that you couldn't understand that? So Amanda? I'm gonna I'm gonna say from the understanding that I had, because you just gave me a different understanding, but from the understanding I have, I thought polygamy was where we all went into these committed relationships with each other. So like I'm his second wife, or he's my second husband, or my third husband, yeah, or that's correct. that I thought that's what polygamy was. And then I thought when you were in a polyamorous or polyandry relationship, I thought that was okay, we just get together. Like my husband or my committed partner knows that I have someone that I see on Tuesdays and Thursdays yeah, for dinner and sex and all that other stuff. And then I go back home. I'm not involved in his or her life. I don't take no, care of right. her. No, That's sorry, what right. I thought the difference was, but you have given me a different understanding. No, sorry. What you said, no, what you said was, was correct. I was just, I just um, wanted to double check because you didn't mention polygyny and polygyny oh. specifically to a man having multiple. So are okay. you saying you can understand why a woman has multiple partners, but you can't understand why a man does or the other way? No, around. what I was saying is I, um, so I was saying is that I can understand someone who's been in a relationship 20 years saying, okay, I'm kind of ready to try something different. Right. But for me or him or whomever to say, I kind of want to bring another person into this dy- this home dynamic. I don't get that. I, I, I just don't understand that level of, there's a lot of work that go into relationships. They're fulfilling, they're loving, they're caring, but that's a lot of stretching yourself thin. You know what I'm saying? And women can tend to be a little catty and jealous. Like, why are you spending more time with so-and-so than me? You bought her a two-carat diamond ring and you only bought me 1.78. No, yeah. it's too much. And I'm not against it. I don't judge. I do not judge. I do not. Whatever floats your boat rocks my boat. Okay. I love it. But when I think about the the amount of work that goes into it, I'm like, oh, hell no, that's too much. But what I was asking you is in a situation where a woman or a man is not sexually satisfied in their relationship, what steps should they take? What would be the first thing you say to them? Yeah, that's a very good question. I do. That is one of the, um, most frequently asked questions that I receive. And the reason why, so when people send me like DMs, I do try and respond to most. Um, mm-hmm. So the ones that I do put up, A, I have their permission. And obviously I'll anonymize it so people of don't course. know mm-hmm. the person who I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I don't always necessarily share um, the advice that I gave that particular person, because I want to hear, because obviously I've got my own opinion. Every, I want other people to potentially give their own advice mm-hmm. and thoughts and also, um because again the, the nature of advice I look at is like listen to obviously different people and then take what, what you think is good for you mm-hmm. um but one thing I've noticed is that there's a lack of empathy like when a woman is has has an issue or like when she's struggling mm-hmm. there's a lot more there's a lot of compassion a lot of people that are more helpful in terms of trying to help the woman when it's the man that's struggling mm-hmm. um a lot of people that put comments and it's mostly women they're less empathetic like get over and, it <laughs> and yeah it's like get over it or he must be gay like there's a woman like there's a woman that's i put up a post was it yesterday and she was saying that her, um her husband was um i think maybe was suffering from premature ejaculation mm-hmm. and he couldn't last more than two minutes and she was comparing him to her ex and someone put like yeah he, he's gay and it's just like well, this is the type of, no but the, and the, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of men do not open up and even because of even even there was a, a post that i put up um, this is, a, I think, this time last year, and I was thinking of whether to to, to talk about it, but because um, this is public knowledge, it wasn't. But I think because a lot of people wasn't aware of it, where I don't know if you knew, if you're aware of like Malcolm X's um, the letter that he sent to Elijah Muhammad in the early years of his marriage. No. 
Oh, you weren't aware of that? Oh, and I put up a post. So basically, he sent out a letter in the early years of his marriage to Elijah Muhammad. Obviously, he was his mentor at the time. And he um, he was a very deep player. And I can send you the, the full le- Please. Um, letter. And he was complaining that he was struggling to sexually satisfy his wife. Mm. And he was saying that she was, you know, complaining and saying that, you know, if, if you don't basically, if you don't give me the pleasure that I need, I'm going to embarrass you by basically going elsewhere yeah it's a very explicit and he now again for me as a man I understood what he was saying Mm -hmm. and I understood because again a lot of women think that men can get it up and last for as long as they like and it's not that's not always the case Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um again so he was was speaking about some of his his insecurities but when I put up and I was talking about like this is like for me it showed the vulnerability the honesty mm-hmm. and the importance of even having someone that you could that you can reach out to and he even said you're only the you're, you're the only person that I can speak to about this because obviously it was like a personal matter mm-hmm. but the comments were like horrific it's either people people for AI was and I love Malcolm X he's one of someone that's one of very few people that I really admire look look up to but it's interesting that a number of people they looked at it as if he was even less of a man because he was struggling. He admitted that he was struggling mm. and he was asking for advice. And this is also one of the issues that there seems to be a lack of, lack of empathy and there's not, not many places that men can go to where mm. they're not going to be judged and criticised. Because a man said that he's struggling with something, especially something sexually, it doesn't mean that he doesn't like the woman or mm-hmm. he's less of a man. He just needs some help. And it doesn't mean that even he may even have an, a problem. There just may be a difference in terms of expectation, sexual expectations, which mm-hmm. which we all have, and that's fine. Um, so yeah, so with one of the things that just coming to your question, one of the things I always ask people when they come to me with these questions is that first and foremost, have you spoken to your other half? Have you spoken to your spouse? Very good places. And outside of the bedroom as well, because oftentimes I will find men will be speaking to other men like their friends and this that, and the other or women will be speaking to their friends, but they very rarely have an open and honest conversation with that person that they're in, in having relations with. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I always say, because, and then some people, they have these, oh, but they won't understand or she won't understand. It's like, but have you tried? Mm-hmm. And not in the moment. Mm-hmm. And if you're opening up and speak, and again, when there's, and all of the, the great books about like love and relationships, like whether it's, you know, like the five love languages, Esther Perel's, um, Mating captivity books, and a lot of these books, they're dealing with where you've got two people in love with each other, mm-hmm. but there's a, either like a disconnect, whether it's in terms of they don't know how to demonstrate their love to one another, or sexually, or the passion is gone, but they still love each other, they still want to stay together. Mm-hmm. The way people, and this is another reason why I put up some of the posts, <laughs> everyone's quick to say, Divorce, leave him. He's not, it's just like, what? Over that? <laughs> Over so many things. And that's why it just shows as well that advice is people people are very quick to give advice without even knowing the full story mm-hmm. and that's also why it's, it's very dangerous as well because mm-hmm. it's like because as well maybe and some people they'll personalize or they because they've gone through something similar oh my ex did that to me or my boyfriend did that to me and it's just like wow so for me the reason why i post it is so people can see can you see why people don't really want to open up mm-hmm. when you see mm-hmm. these type of comments kind of thing and if, if i were to put my um advice again i'm not trying to make it like mine is the greatest or the no. being in the, i'm not trying to influence so that's why i leave it for people to kind of make their own comments and then they can kind of like argue or whatever or, or talk amongst themselves in the comments and i'm just noticing it but it it, it 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 but 
the, and again, in certain communities, and especially in um, South Asian, well, we call in the UK, South Asians, people, they see, I don't know what you call, I, know, I'm, I must understand that in, in America, you call people from the Indian, Indian subcontinent as, um, is it Daisies? Like Indians. Indians. Mm -hmm. Indians, Pakistan, yeah. So we call yeah, them Paki. South Asians. Yeah, mm -hmm. we call them South Asians in, in the UK. Okay. Now, it's a very culturally um, conservative um you know community where even talking about sex even amongst people that are married it can be very difficult yes um so a lot of the questions that i receive from people from that background um again i have to tread a bit more carefully or i'll mm -hmm. refer them onto people that can culturally they can kind of relate to and mm -hmm. um, because there are a number of people like i get some questions where um a woman has said that and this is again this is her belief system mm -hmm. and some of it's coming from what she thought the religion says which i'm trying to educate that's not necessarily what the religion says where one woman said and i've had this actually a couple of times that um a am i allowed to be intimate with my husband with the lights on um can do i need some people believe that there needs to be a sheet between the woman and the mm -hmm. man and there just needs to just be a small hole mm -hmm. for him to do what he needs to do mm -hmm. um there's this idea that sex or the belief that sex should be is painful or should be painful for the woman and that that's how we can prove that she's like a um a real woman or like a virgin and then they've all of these a lot of the and a lot of these come from cultural traditions that have got nothing to do with the religion mm -hmm. or they've got like virginity testing i'm sure you're familiar with that yes, where you've got people that will um even family members from both the groom side and the bride side will wait outside of the bedroom on the wedding night and wait to see the blood stains. When they see the blood stains on the sheet, people are still going out. They're still doing they're that. Doing they're still doing that. Yeah, they're still doing that. In parts of in parts of like in parts of the Arab Jeez. world and parts of North Africa, yeah. So there's a lot of people, and and again, because I'm aware that these things still go on, also have to be quite careful that I can't dismiss it because it's maybe alien to me. Mm -hmm. It's not alien to that someone's normal experience, but then it mm -hmm. takes a while to kind of re-educate yeah yeah you know yeah. and and a lot of the work and I'm, I'm trying to do as well is you're trying to you could say create a safe space or where where men feel comfortable because there's a lot of work that's been done to help women and to empower women and to educate mm. women which is great but there's not much done for men Very now true. again obviously I work with heterosexual people so if you're doing all especially like when we speak about the orgasm gap if you're doing all of this great stuff to help empower women and helping women understand their body and know um, accept themselves and be able to reach climax but you're not helping them communicate with men because it's all well and good she be sexually empowered by herself mm -hmm. but as soon as the ma a man is in the picture she goes back to she shuts herself down mm -hmm. that's when it's a problem or the man doesn't allow her to open us open up where he doesn't create a safe space where she feels comfortable in his presence so it's why like I tried to make even with the the page and the work that I'm doing to try and make it less or more informal okay. and more kind of like play enjoyable so when you think about pleasure when you think about something that's fun when you think about something that's that brings happiness and joy you don't think about rules no. and that's what sex should be mm -hmm. free but when you go into it free exactly but mm -hmm. when you go to it like regulated it should be like this it should be like that all of that, that will cause anxiety that will cause um you know overthinking second guessing yourself mm -hmm. but if you're looking at this and this is like a pleasurable experience or should be a pleasurable experience then there's no set rules mm -hmm. it's like whatever works for the both of you the same way like if you were 
you know, like dancing, but not in a choreographed way kind of thing. So that's that's kind of like my approach. You know, if we had time, I would then want to talk about intimacy and, and that role um, where pleasure plays a part in intimacy because sex can feel good, it can feel great, but I believe that there's no true intimacy in this dyad, in this component, then you're, the true pleasure still is in reach. You get what I'm saying? But we don't have time to go there because that's going to be a completely yeah. different conversation because a lot of people a lot of people are married but they're not intimate sex yeah, isn't true. the only level of intimacy it's not yeah. and and you know for women sex happens way before the physical act for us maybe for men too that's maybe that's something you and i can talk about another time sex is a mental thing if you're not feeling good about yourself if you're not feeling good about yourself in the relationship if you don't feel like this man genuinely loves you even if you reach orgasm, it's still something is, in my opinion, something is still going to feel like it's missing. Yeah, no, right? you're right. You're right. I agree with that. The only thing I would say, because um, I do agree with you about the, the importance of intimacy is, and this is the only thing that I'm struggling with when I'm speaking to, because sometimes I do workshops that's male only, some obviously women only, and some that's obviously both men and women alike. Mm-hmm. Um, because men don't generally respond to intimacy, Mm-hmm. how do you, they want intimacy but how do you convey it how do you convey that message the importance of, of of intimacy okay do you understand what i mean i do and the reason we'll do it, so and the reason why i say that is because women understand what it means and you can obviously explain the importance of it but because it doesn't hit home for a number of men but men mm-hmm. obviously need to create that space and, and establish where there's intimacy and have that connection is is trying to find words or um scenarios or stories which they can relate to to create that intimacy or to know that this is what you need in order to have a fulfilling sexual encounter for both you and your partner i i feel like and because i have done speaks um speaks engagements speaking engagements on um different relationship platforms or you know one particularly named love purposely shout out to wakisha mccoy i've done that with her and i was talking about like how judgment in a relationship can damage that and i'm not just talking about oh you know um you stink or you are whatever but if there's a constant i don't feel good enough or i feel ridiculed vice versa this is not just a woman thing or a male thing if there's a certain level of i'm not sure if this is okay you're not going to be able to have that and i think for a lot of women i even hear well he only touches me when he wants to have sex Uh oh that's a that's a conversation to be had. If you feel as if he's only touching you and wanting it to lead to that level, and you're like, Dad, sometimes I just want to hold your, you know, hold your hand. Sometimes I just want to know you're rubbing my back to rub my back. I don't want to always have to be on guard, like, oh hell, he rubbing my back. Here we go. I don't want to do that right now, but I do want some level of cuddling and that warm feeling. I, I think I think that's also an issue. I think that's also an issue too. And I think that's something that needs to be. That's something that can be um, discussed among men and women. Um, even if you're not in a committed relationship, you could tell the person that you are in a sexual relationship with, this is what I need in order to feel like I have this closeness with you. But again, that is a whole nother conversation. There are a number of men who sleep with women, but they don't actually like women. Meaning don't like them or not As sexually in- attracted to them. No, they like women sexually, mm-hmm. but they don't like them. They don't like love women. As in, mm. if you 
and the reason why I say this is that if, for example, because I hear that a lot that, you know, there's some, you know, women that will complain that he just touches me when he wants to be intimate with me. Mm-hmm. But if it's things that I want or I need, um, that especially like non-sexual forms of intimacy, he's not there for me. And, and it, when I speak to some men who like, look at it like a chore, if you mm. like someone, when you like someone, when you love someone, the same way like how you love your mum or your, your especially their, their mother, you do things for someone that they will like that, not necessarily like you even really, if it's something that's going to make them happy, you do, you, you do it for them. Very true. That's always ask the question, like, do you like women? Or like, do you love women? Like, and think about it. No, no, of course I like women, I sleep with them. No, no, no. I didn't say, do you sleep with women? I'm not saying, you, I'm not asking if you're gay. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, do you actually, or not, do you like women? Do you like the women that you're sleeping with? Because there are a number of men who go into sexual encounters where they're just concerned with their own pleasure. Mm-hmm. They're not concerned with her pleasure because they don't like the woman. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can. You understand what I mean? I can. And, I, and, that, and, that, 100%. And, as, and as men, it's very easy for us. We can sleep with a woman that we don't necessarily like. Mm-hmm. And that, some, that befuddles a number of women. They're thinking, how's that possible? But yeah, it's for, you can sleep, we can sleep with a woman that we actually despise. We find because it's about my pleasure it's about the man's exactly. pleasure right exactly okay now if you like someone if you really like someone i use the word like instead of love but even if you really like someone you would do things for them to please them to make them happy true and that's the thing that that's where it's a question of i'll ask some of these women especially if they're dating and does he actually do you, do you what do you think do you think he actually likes you and that might be quite difficult to answer not that, he, that there's anything wrong with you because if he's not if he doesn't want to go out of his way to please you to make mm-hmm. you happy without thinking about what is he going to get in return then our question does he actually like you the same way when you have men that will say um i don't mind receiving head i won't go down on the woman unless she's my wife or unless in exceptional circumstances like a, it's a birthday and then it's like okay even that mindset and i hear that this is from fully grown men that still have this mindset. i believe you that, okay so <laughs> You don't mind receiving fellatio, that's fine, because you're getting getting off, great. But you don't want to give her pleasure because it's just for her and you feel that what she she doesn't deserve it because mm. you're not getting something out of it. Do you understand? I, that, 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 that's, that's the thing. So that's why, again, I think it's, the, it's trying to understand because there's some men that do have these views that they don't, not all women, but they don't value the women or the woman that they're sleeping mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. That deserve part, wow! You that that word in itself, just like another firecracker. Like I wonder, maybe that's what it is. She don't deserve it because yeah. it's all you know, fellatio and what's it? What's the other word for it? Fellatio and cunnilingus. Yeah. It's almost a humbling experience. Yeah. It's almost a it's almost a very humbling thing to do. You're either on your knees or you're in a position of being lower. You're almost in a servant position submission yeah and that could you listen this this is this is good this could, <laughs> we could easily go on for another two hours <laughs> like because there's so much i'm like i want to ask that i want to ask that but we got maybe i need to bring you back because there's two other books that i discovered i said hold on wait 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 there's more because this book took like two weeks to come. I'm like, no, I need I need these books at my fingertips now. Like, are they on Kindle or what Apple books or something? Because I can't wait two weeks. I, I can't. Like, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm sorry. They're not oh. available on Kindle. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm like, come on. Like, I got to wait another two weeks. All right. I'll order them. I'll order them. I'll wait. I'll wait. Because I definitely want to read Taste of Honey. I want to read that one. 
for sure. So I will order it since I got to order it. I appreciate that. Since I got to wait two weeks to get it, Mr. Man. So once I get that one, if you have any time in your schedule, we can continue this conversation and discuss that book. How does that sound? Yeah, I look forward to that. Okay, good. So before you go, is there anything you're reading right now outside of your books? Is there anything you want my audience to read to continue this conversation? I mean, your book for sure is going to be in the, in the notes, but is there anything else that we could probably indulge in that you feel as if would give us more enlightenment towards what you were discussing? Oh, yes, there is a book. I'm trying to find the name of author, Fair of the Black Body. You could always send it to me an email. And yeah, I, Fair, I, yeah, Fair of the Black Body, I think is an excellent book. Okay. Um, so the, the Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings. That's the name of the book. So Fair, no, Fair in the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. Mm. Um, another book, um, The Arts of Seduction by Seema Anand. Okay. Um, that's like a modern rendition of the Kama Sutra. So she, what she's done is she's got the Kama Sutra, but she's made it um, easy to read and for modern audiences. And she sp speaks about like, even like with the sex position, because a lot of people, they're blown away when I tell them that like only 25% of the book is about sex positions mm -hmm. and even the sex positions that they speak about the reason why the author spoke about different sex positions was because to help people with different genital sizes so they can synchronize oh that's the whole purpose because if someone of a certain so with the Kama Sutra how we laid out is like for example looking at the man's genitalia you even look at it by first three fingers then the next three fingers and the next three fingers in terms of the measure of length and he was saying that there's certain positions that's more pleasurable. For example, if you've got a man with a smaller member and a woman that's maybe more medium or larger, that would be more, more mutually pleasurable for both of them. So the whole idea is not like the way we've understood um, Karma Sutra nowadays, like a form of sexual um, gymnastics mm -hmm. or, you know, just tick box exercises. Like, no, the whole idea is you're supposed to find which, pleasure, which positions are suitable for the couple. Got it. And getting to know each other. But that's a really good book. So yeah. there are two books. Um, and uh, The um, Passage by Angelica Lindsay Atley. Um, it's yeah. a really good book. So it's, it's like a journal. Could you email these um, to me? Because I want to make sure I get yes. the, the writing, the names yes. right and the, and the titles right. Please email them to me. Also, follow yes. me on Instagram. Um, yeah. So you can, know, and I'm going to email you when this episode is. Um, when this episode drops, you will definitely be the first to know. Um, so you can share it on your platform as well. But you will be coming back. I just hope you're prepared for that because you're going to come back. Sorry for y'all who are, you know, may not understand that. But hearing this come from a black man is important. It is. It's, it's important to hear this. And I want this message to be pushed out a little bit more and flushed out a little bit more. And I'm sure I'm going to get questions from this episode, too. So um, I definitely will want to go over some more of that, those things with you. If that's okay. No, that's fine. And yeah, I'd like to have you on my platform and interview you. We could do an IG live interview if you're if you're whenever uh, if you're you are ready, you yeah. let me. I will be on there with bells and whistles. Okay. I will go. When you're because okay. I wanna I wanna continue this. I do. You can have me on like every week. I don't care. I wanna continue to have this conversation. I do. Okay.
Lovely, lovely. Yeah, I'll, yeah, we'll, I'll definitely um, yes. look at my diary and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll cause I want to do some more research on you and cause I like to be well prepared when I'm doing my interview. Oh, like, I'm not, you, I'm not, I'm not as important as you. Trust me, I'm not. No, no, I'm no, not no, as, no, I'm nowhere no. near as important as you. No, no. I am. Everything I just told you is who I am. <laughs> that is me. But I am a good conversationalist. So even if you just want to have me on to continue this conversation, we could do that. No, I would want to interview you. I don't like to talk when I do my IG lives because I want to. Okay. give the light to the person that I'm speaking to and I think it's important that like we have more black women like yourself mm-hmm. who speak and again speaking and again irrespective of whether it's come from a uh, um, a difficult background but the fact that you I, well, and that's why I wanted to speak to you like when you spoke about obviously the, your Christian background mm-hmm. like I said in the beginning I think religion has people I don't like the way people feel like oh in order to become sexually empowered or sexually liberated I need to leave religion behind mm. It may not be the religion you need to leave behind. It's the people that have got a, a backward view of religion, so to speak. So that's why, um, yeah, that's definitely the reason why. You why have just summed up. You have just summed up what it is. That you you literally just summed it up. You don't have to leave the religion. Maybe you need to leave those that thought pattern and those people behind. That's perfect for sure. So yes, email me the books. Let me know your schedule, and I'll be sure to make myself available. Okay. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for being understanding. You know, COVID tried to take a girl down last week. So thank you for being understanding. And we're going to be doing this again, okay? Lovely. Enjoy your night. Take care, Keila. Take care. care. Bye-bye.